Today, we're continuing a series dealing with the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and what we're really talking about is walking in step with the Holy Spirit, and that's what the book of Galatians tells us. The Holy Spirit is writing to this group of believers, and he says, you, you used to be connected with the flesh, ruled by the flesh, and he said, but now you're, as Christians, you've got a, a new spirit, you've, you've got a new power source, and so he says, no longer be connected with that flesh wanting to do what is wrong. But now he says, walk in step with the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that's what we're called to do, is walk in step with the Spirit. How many of you as a kid, you ever did one of those three-legged races, right? No, it's like one leg is tied to another person's leg, and you've got you to figure out how to do something you've really never done before. And that's kind of like the Christian life. We're, we're brand new Christians. We're learning. We're growing. And now we've been tethered to the Holy Spirit, if you will. And now he's, he's saying, all right, here, here's, here's where we're going. Here's how we're getting there. And I'm probably the only one in the room that's ever fought against the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, okay. yeah I mean, we're like, oh, I want to go do this. And he goes, eh, we really need to go over here. And we're tethered to him. Aren't you thankful for that tether that, that connects us to him? And so we learn how to walk in step with the Spirit. I want to talk to you about a couple of things today. And and uh, we're going to, at the end, we're going to call for people that want to just pray at the, at the end of the service today uh, and just pray to say, God, I want to walk in step with the Spirit of God. What about the importance of the Holy Spirit? In John chapter number 16, you have your Bibles, you can turn there to John uh, chapter number 16, the Gospel of John. Here Jesus makes an incredible statement that is so powerful for us today. And it was remarkable and probably alarming for the disciples that he spoke it to, because that was something that they, they, didn't, they didn't understand it like we do today, probably simply because of the time period in which they lived and the time period in which we live and the completion of the Word of God. John chapter number 16, verse 7 says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Jesus is saying, it's going to be to your benefit that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father. And where, where you can see me no more. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will, glory, he will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And so here Jesus is saying, you've been listening to me, you've been listening to me, you've been following me. Okay, now I'm, I'm going back, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with every one of you, no matter where you're at on the planet. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord receives the salvation of Christ. God gives them the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're, you're now tethered to him. Learn to walk in step with him. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to talk to you about things that are yet to come. It's not just a history lesson, it's things that are yet to come. He's going to lead you, guide you. Truth is going to be coming forth out of him to speak to you. He said, it's so important that I go back to heaven so that you will receive the Holy Spirit. 
So when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he gives to us, we've, we've kind of just uh, brought it down into a synopsis form, just kind of a bullet point form, and this is what we've got. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to everyone. So anyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit in their life. The Holy Spirit gives them a gift or gifts to be used in love, not for self, but used in love for the benefit of other people, to bring glory to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the gifts, to honor Christ, and to build up or strengthen the body of Christ, the church. And so that's kind of it in a nutshell. And there's scripture references there for you to, to look up when you like. So that's the importance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it's important. He's important. His guidance, his truth, his leadership is important. Well, what about being filled with the Holy Spirit? We're going to take about a five-minute tour. That's going to be fast through the book of Acts as it relates to people being filled with the Holy Spirit and kind of look at a couple of the, the ramifications and the process and, and the subsequent um, experience of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, it, 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 this is really about saying, okay, what, what happened in that moment? So let's real quickly just zip through the book of Acts. First is Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. That's the day of Pentecost. That was an Old Testament festival that they would have every year. And it was on that day that God fulfilled the prophecies about pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. It wouldn't just be even just to the Jewish nation. It wouldn't just be to the prophet, the priest, and the king. But He's saying, anyone who follows Christ, I will pour my Spirit out on them. Aren't you thankful that God has given us His Spirit? And so in Acts chapter 2, it says, well, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other languages or they spoke in tongues. That was a, a sign that was a, an initial response to being filled with the Holy Spirit. A little bit later in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, probably some of these same people were in this room. And probably there were some other people that weren't in Acts chapter 2. So it was kind of a mixture. And it says... Uh, the, the, the place where they were praying together was shaken, and the Holy Spirit filled them, and they spoke the Word of God boldly. It says they were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God boldly. And so that's one of those consequences, if you will, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You begin to speak the Word of God with boldness. Where there used to be timidity, oh, I don't know if I should say anything. Now you're like, yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to speak with boldness. I'm not going to speak with arrogance, but with boldness. Well, next is uh, in Acts chapter number 8, Philip went down to Samaria, which the Samaritans, they were kind of viewed as part B to the nation of Israel. Okay? They were part Jewish and part not. And so the pure Jewish people kind of had a, kind of a separation with the Samaritans. It's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're really the Jewish people. We're really the nation of Israel. I mean, you guys are kind of part, you know. See, division is nothing new, is it? You guys okay? okay. Segregation. We, it's natural to want people over there, and we'll be over here, and we'll all get along. But God says, I'm, I think I'm going to break down your walls a little bit. I'm going to shake things up. So Philip goes down to Samaria, and they receive the word of the Lord. And word comes back to Jerusalem, and they go, hey, man, these Samaritans, they've received Christ, and they've been baptized in water. So Peter and John, 
go down to Samaria. And it says, when, um, when, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Again, another, another caveat to that. Now we're saying there's a, there's a moment when people are in a room and, and, the, and the Holy Spirit gets poured out and there's like the sound of wind and an image of a tongue above them. Wow, that's really incredible. Then another time where the place where they were assembled together was just like, like maybe shaken. I don't know if it was like an earthquake. I don't know what that really means, but it was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now Peter and John lay hands on these new believers and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, then we look at Acts chapter number 10, verses 44 to 46. And this is where the apostle Peter goes to a Gentile's house. No, now we're talking serious business. The Jews and the Gentiles, it was a real separation between these guys. The Jews were like, we're it, and y'all aren't even close. But God had made a promise. I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. They didn't quite get that. I think they were saying, yeah, all Jewish flesh, right? And we, we, we've never done anything like that, have we? Y'all just, y'all just clammed up on me right there. God is saying, I made a promise. I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. So Peter goes to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius says his whole family and everyone who works for him in the house. He says, man, this guy's coming. We're going to hear what he has to say because God's got a word for us today. So Peter walks in there, and he kind of says, why am I here? And you need to read that story. It's incredible. But Cornelius begins to talk to him, and then Peter begins to speak to him about Christ. And the Word tells us, in, uh, there it says, and, when, um, and the circumcised believers who came in with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues or languages and praising God. So now it's like, whoa, the Gentiles are, are now welcomed into the family, into serving and loving and following God. And the sign that was given was that they spoke other languages and they were praising God. Now there were some Jewish people in Jerusalem who were like, wait a minute, time out, uh... You're telling me the Gentiles have received Christ? You're telling me the Gentiles are filled with the Holy Spirit? You're telling me God has poured out His Spirit on the Gentiles? You're going to have to prove that one. So the next time, the next chapter, chapter 11, Peter is explaining what happened. And this is what he says. He says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as He had come on us at the beginning. Referencing Acts chapter 2. He's saying the same sign was given to them that was given to us. So it's kind of like, man, I'm, I'm not going to fight against God. If God is giving His Spirit to the Gentiles, we better do a thumbs up. Now, I don't want to add to the Scripture. I don't want to make anything uh, in addition. But can we just look at human nature for a moment? Don't you know there were some Jewish people that were like, Yes, God has poured out His Spirit on the Gentiles. Wow, I like Gentiles. And don't you think there might have been one or two Jews that went, oh, no. Oh, gosh. I've got to be nice to those people? 
Maybe that happened. Maybe. And last is Acts chapter number 19. Paul goes down to the city of Ephesus. He meets some people and they say, hey, we're disciples. We're followers of the way. And he said, well, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you, were, when you believed? And they said, well, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, what baptism did you have then? What experience? They said, well, John the Baptist baptism. He goes, okay, all right. So that was a baptism of repentance, but John the Baptist said, there's one coming after me, Jesus. So Paul explained to them about Jesus and salvation through him, and they were like, oh, okay. And they received Christ, and they were baptized. And then it says, and when uh, Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here we see, you know, one time there's a wind, and there's tongues, and then there's praising God and speaking the word boldly, and there's prophesying, and there's, there's it's not a cookie-cutter experience, is it? Because we're not cookie, we're not chopped out of, we're not the same, are we? And so God says, I, I deal in different time periods, in different ways, differently with different people. And some people want it all to be exactly the same. Just tell me what to expect. Just tell me what's going to happen. I'm going to illustrate it this way. Some of you might like race car driving. There's a couple of different types of race car driving, and it really goes pretty well with what we're talking about. One, the first one is drag racing. We have a, a, a nationally known drag racing uh, track. Strip. Thank you. So, and what is drag racing? Start. Quarter mile, finish. It's straight. It's flat. Don't turn the wheel. That's bad. <laughs> Start, straight, stop. That's it. And some people want that. Just, just, I want my experience to be the exact same as everyone else's experience. Don't throw a curveball. Just start, go, stop. That's drag racing. But other people are like, nah, I want some variation. They're NASCAR people. Okay, what's NASCAR? Okay, you start, left, straight. 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 See? And nobody watches NASCAR to watch the cars go around the track. Why do we watch NASCAR? You ever heard somebody say, oh, the race yesterday was terrible? There were no crashes. <laughs> it's kind of a sick thought, right? You know, but it's kind of it's the way it is. But there's variation there, but it's just, you know, it's left and straight, left, straight, left, straight. That's it. But then there's Le Mans, right? Le Mans is like, okay, go, right, left, up, left, down, right, left, up. And it's all, and the car's moving everywhere. There's up, there's down, there's left, there's right, there's all. And everyone's experience is different. And I would say the Holy Spirit's a little bit more like Lamaze. Sorry for all you NASCAR fans, but it's a little bit more like Lamaze. He doesn't do it all the same way. Everyone's experience is not exactly the same. God doesn't want a cookie cutter, like, you know, this is the way it, everybody. He's saying, Jesus described the Holy Spirit like the wind. He just blows and he, you're not really sure where he came from. You're not really sure where he's going, but man, he's powerful when he's there. And he said, that's kind of like the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like a Lamaze race. It's not the same for every person. 
because the Holy Spirit recognizes that you're not the same as every person. And he honors you in that way because he created you that way. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit is vitally important. And the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit is for what purpose, though? What is the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit? What are the purposes of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Number one, it's to know yourself. God wants you to know yourself. I know there's a, there's a lot of, of, of things going on right now where people say, focus on yourself and build yourself up and focus on yourself and focus on yourself. There's some truth in that. That's very vitally important because we need to know who are we in Christ, who are we in the body of Christ, and what is the Holy Spirit doing in my life right now? And so it's vitally important for us to know ourselves because we need to know as in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 style, am I the eye, am I the ear, am I the kneecap, am I the hip? Where am I in the body of Christ? God's given me gifts. Okay, what are they? And so that's why Paul uses that illustration of the body like the body, the, body, the physical body like the body of Christ. He said the eye should not say to the hand or the foot, hey, I don't need you. I can see just fine without you. And the foot's going to go, well, you, without me, you're going to see the same thing every day because I can take you places. See, so we need to know who we are. So the, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the purpose of those gifts is for us to know exactly who we are. God gives us gifts that many times point to our calling, and our calling can reveal gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul said, He's writing the letter, and he starts off by telling them who's writing it. That's the same thing you do when you get a letter, right? What do you, you get a letter in the, in, in the mail? What do you do? Go, find, who sent this? That's the first thing you want to find out. Who's talking to me? Well, Paul starts off the letter. He says, Paul called to be an apostle. He says, I know my calling. Therefore, I know my gifts. If you know your gifts, you know your calling. If you know your calling, you know your gifts. He's saying that's vitally important. So we need to know ourselves. Paul knew what he was called to be and gifted to do. And therefore, he could say this, I have become all things to all people so that I may win some to Christ. See, he said, I know who I am. I know what God's called me to do. I know my giftings. And therefore, I'm not concerned and I'm not worried about what someone thinks about me. I can eat with the Jews. I can eat with the Gentiles. I can, I can go. When I say party with both of them, you know what I mean by that, right? I can be with both of them. We can have a great time. And I'm not concerned about what kind of meat is served. I'm not concerned about whether there's wine or not wine. I'm not concerned about all those things at all because I know who I am in Christ. So I'm not worried about that stuff. So when you know who you are, you don't worry about the peripheral issues. Here at Hope Crossings, we, we divide it up into pencil, ink, and blood. I think you probably heard me talk about that, pencil, ink, and blood. Don't make a pencil issue a blood issue. A pencil issue is like, that might change. Okay? We might erase that one. So when you know who you are, you're not concerned about the pencil issues. But secondly, it's to glorify Jesus in the church. The gifts of the Spirit are there for you to know who you are and your calling and your gifts, but it's also to bring glory to Jesus in the church. The purpose of autonomy is to bring the benefit to the greater society called the church. 
when we know who we are and our gifts and we, and we strengthen our gifts and we, we build them up and we become better at our gifts, it is for the purpose of benefiting the church. Don't answer this question, but have you ever seen anybody that just focuses on themselves? And they become a great person. But for what end? You know, they, they die pretty. But for what end? It's like, they're amazing, you know? But what have you done with your amazing? And that's what God is saying. I want you to know who you are and build yourself up for the benefit of the body of Christ to bring glory to Jesus within the church. 1 Peter 4, 4. Paul is writing, he wrote two letters to Timothy. And in this first letter, he's reminding Timothy about something. He's saying, hey, look, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Be an example. Speak the word. Be diligent with your, with your theology and all that you're doing. Be diligent with that. But in 1 Peter 4, 14, he says, do not neglect the gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Boy, you see three incredible different things right there. First off, he says, don't neglect the gift. So he's saying you received a gift. And I just want to throw this out there. It is possible that you or I, anybody, can neglect their gift. You don't choose your gift, but you can neglect your gift. Don't do that. He's saying to Timothy, he says, don't neglect the gift. And then he describes, he reminds Timothy of how it transpired, how that came. He says, which was given to you through prophecy. There again, a gift of the Spirit, ministering a gift to Timothy. Now, we don't really know what that gift was for Timothy. There's plenty of commentaries that will speculate on that, and that's fine. He says, don't neglect that gift. It was given to you through the exercise of a gift, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And we see that, that beauty of the body working together, and Timothy is just built up and benefited by that. Then, obviously being a pastor, he passed on that blessing to other people. So, thirdly, though, is to glorify Jesus in the world. I want you to turn with me, please, to this last verse, and then we'll bring this to a close, to Hebrews chapter number 2. If you have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, the gifts of the Spirit are to not only bring glory to Christ in the church, but also outside of the church. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And this is super cool. Um, it says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, look at this, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testifying. Who's testifying? God. God also testifying to it by signs, wonders, various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Man, that's powerful. So when the gifts of the Spirit operate within the body, the gift of mercy, the gift of teaching, the gift of administration, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, all the gifts... 
when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, the Word says that God is using those gifts to testify of His greatness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Well, if, there's, if, if you needed any motivation to say, God, what is my gift? And Lord, how can I use my gift? Well, that's it. God is saying, I have given those gifts to bring glory to God. To, to bring glory to Jesus Christ, to, to bring attention to the power of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. God is, is so eager to pour out His Spirit on more flesh. And He's saying, I'm going to do that by testifying to the greatness of Christ. And I do that through signs and miracles and wonders and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so today we can have this opportunity. The band's going to come up here and we're going to take some time in worship and prayer. And, and I'm going to ask those who say, you know what, I... I, I want to move forward. I'm, I'm tethered to the Holy Spirit. I just I want to learn to walk in step with Him. And if you're like 99.99% of all other Christians that have ever lived in the world, you've made mistakes and it's been arduous to try and learn to walk in step with the Spirit. But you're saying, you know what? I want to keep going. I want to keep trying to, to, to know God, how fast am I supposed to be walking right now? Where am I supposed to be walking right now? What, what is up for me? Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. I want the gifts of the Spirit to operate within my life. Maybe you know what gift God's given you. Maybe you, you've, already, you've already established that. You know. You say, okay, how can I make it better? How can I improve it? How can I not neglect it? And then God... Where do you want me to use that? Maybe you already are. Maybe you know the gifts that God's given you. You're working it. You're doing it. And you're bringing glory to God. Then I would, I would submit to you, say, God, can I go further in that? Is there, is there a bigger platform? Is there a way that I can reach more people with my gift? Because in reaching more people with my gift, what are you doing? You're honoring Christ. God is using you and your gifts to bring glory to Jesus, not only in the church, but also in the world. He is testifying of salvation through your gift. And you might say, well, I don't know, my, my gift. I mean, Pastor Chris, you preach all the time. That's like, that's like, wow. The Bible's so clear. It says, you know what? The eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The body is the body. It all works together. And so your gift is just as important as anybody else's gift because they all work together to honor Christ. So don't ever, don't ever minimize your gift.